So we're in the, I was going to say in the middle, we're toward the end of a sermon series called We the Church. We started it at the beginning of the year, and our anchor verse for this series is Matthew 18.20, where it says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Are we gathered in Jesus' name this morning? Amen. Amen. Jesus is here with us. And he's here with us as a church as we gather with one another, as we gather with our, our neighbors, as we gather with co-workers. When we gather in his name, there he is with us. And I told you at the beginning of this series, and it continues, actually any message that we preach here at this church, if you want to get something out of it, something that you can apply to your life, you need to start with a longing in your heart, a longing to experience more of what God has for, for you and for this church and for the community that we live in. This series, we've looked at leadership structure. We started with elders. We, we had a membership Sunday at the end of January. We talked about holistic small groups. We talked about spiritual gift-based ministry. We even talked about the next pastor and some of the things that we're looking for in the next pastor and, and we're praying for. And last week, we had an awesome time talking with some of our teachers and we talked about empowered teaching. Today, the title is Passionate Spirituality. Passionate Spirituality. And then next week, we're going to focus on missions. And the following week is, yeah, the award Sunday for the library. But we're also going to have um, Maddie Moore and at least one guest from her school. And I'm going to do a little interview with them. And we're going to talk about Youth for Christ and that local mission field and find out what's going on there. It's been a year ago since she was here and and telling us with great excitement that she was going to go and do that as part of her mission that God was calling her to. So it's going to be fun to hear from her. Glad to see you here today, Maddie. So our sermon today, the summary in your handout um, kind of outlines where we're looking, where we're going to, but um, I wanted to reflect back on 2021 because it was actually early um, in the year, around this time, it was actually in February, I think, that 30 of you did a survey about what's going on in church. And you actually filled out the form. And then Robin and I sent that form in, and it got graded, and we got a health report on our church. And one of the things that was being measured um, was passionate spirituality. There were eight keys to a healthy church, and one of them was passionate spirituality. Today I want to consider this idea a little bit more, and I want to look at what are the practical issues about passionate spirituality, and where does that come from anyway? So in the outline, we're going to go through what passionate spirituality is, that it's word-based, and that it's spirit-directed. We're going to talk about what passionate spirituality is not. 
And how does that get choked out anyway? You know, in our own lives and in the church. And then we're going to look at the fruit of passionate spirituality. What are the results? And you'll see that they're world-changing within our own little world and all around the greater world. So our scripture this morning comes from, from Leviticus. I can, I can just see you, Max. You're smiling ear to ear. We're <laughs> getting into the Old Testament, Leviticus. And yeah, some of the teaching on Wednesday night helped me get these thoughts straight about where I wanted to go with this. And, and Leviticus, I think, chapter 6, really lays out why we need this passionate spirituality. So let me just give you a little bit of background. In Leviticus chapter 6, God is giving directions to his chosen people, to Israel. And here in chapter 6, he's actually giving directions to Moses to share with Aaron and the priests and how they were to do their offerings. So he's going through and explaining, you know, if there is a sin, if the person has sinned against somebody, that's guilt. That person is guilty, and they need to bring an offering before God. And when Max taught this, it just really hit me upside the head really hard. Like, you know, when they had to sacrifice a bull, I mean, that's a big sacrifice. That's like twelve to 1,500 pounds of sacrifice of a life for a guilt of, because of sin that we've done. And he explained how when you did this offering, when you killed that bull and, and it was sacrificed and it was burnt on the altar, you were forgiven for that sin. But as soon as you walked away and did that sin again, it was, you know, that offering was over. You had to do it again. You had to kill another bull. And Jesus said, even if you think of that sin, you've, you've, you've done that sin. Man, that's massive. You think about it now, we have Jesus, right? So we ha still have guilt when we sin, but we can lay that sin, that guilt, on the cross. And Jesus died once for all, for all sin. And we can continue to come back. So anyway, God is giving Moses the directions here. And I'm going to just focus on two verses, verses 12 and 13 in chapter 6. It's on page 160 in the Pew Bible, if you want to look at it there. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning, the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offering on it. So not only was it a guilt offering, but then you were able to make the fellowship offering. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. Did you notice that? Multiple times. The fire needs to keep burning. It must not go out. And remember, these are the directions. It wasn't actually happening here, but if you turn to chapter 9, 
of Leviticus, that's when they started doing what God told them to do. And so they were offering their, their guilt offering and the fellowship offering. And then um, I just want to read to you verses 23 and 24 why it was so important for the fire to keep burning. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came from the presence of the Lord, consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. The fire came from God. That's why the fire is not supposed to go out. It's not any different when Jesus was alive and he gave us his fire. Listen to this in John chapter 20. This is after Jesus died on the cross, after he was resurrected and he came to the disciples. He he could walk right through the doors and just appear to them and there he was. In verse or chapter 20 of John, verses 21 and 22, listen to what Jesus did. And this is why we need to make sure our passionate spirituality, our fire within us never goes out. Verses uh, 21 and 22. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Think about that now, as you think about Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is when the, the believers were all together and Jesus was gone. He ascended back into heaven and they were waiting for the Holy Spirit, the, the paraclete, to come and empower them. And in Acts chapter 2, it came like this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Don't let that fire go out. In a nutshell, That's what passionate spirituality is. The fire must be kept burning. It must not go out. Let me share with you an example, a very practical example of what happens when there is passionate spirituality within the membership of a healthy church. This letter was written by a relatively new Christian to a member of a healthy church. This person's life was influenced greatly. Listen to the words. 
When we met a, a couple years back, I began to discover a new type of vulnerability, a warmth and a lack of pretense that impressed me. I saw in you a passionate spirit. No signs of internal stagnation anywhere. I could tell you were a growing person, and I liked that. I saw you had strong self-esteem, not based on the fluff of self-help books, but on something a whole lot deeper. I saw that you lived by convictions and priorities, and not just by convenience, selfish pleasure, or financial gain. I had never met anyone like you before. I felt a depth of love and concern as you listened to me, and you did not judge me. You tried to understand me, you empathized with me, and you even celebrated with me. You demonstrated kindness and generosity. And I saw that it wasn't just to me, but to other people as well. You stood for something. You were willing to go against the grain of society and follow what you believed to be true, no matter what people said, and no matter how much it cost you. For these reasons, and a whole host of others, I found myself really wanting what you had. And now, now that I have become a Christian, I wanted to write to you to tell you how grateful I am. Grateful beyond words for how you lived your Christian life in front of me. Thank you for having passionate spirituality. It's really as simple as that. I'm sensing a bit of confusion with this body, our local church, on these terms that I've been using. You know, the natural church development, I didn't develop it, has eight key characteristics of what a healthy church is. And I'm just trying to help you understand what those are. And remember, we talked about one of them was spiritual gift-based ministry. It's really not difficult. It's, it's simply understanding that God gives each one of us a spiritual gift when you believe in Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior. And then, once you've discovered what your gift is, just use it with passion to do the ministry that God has called you to do. And that helps advance and support the church. If we did not do that, the opposite of spiritual gift-based ministry would look like this. And I think you've probably experienced it before. It's forcing people into a legalistic structure to fulfill duties that we decided you needed to be assigned to to fill. And you would try your darndest to make it the best that it could be. God says, I've gifted you. All you need to do is serve the way I've gifted you. Holistic small groups. We talked about that here. And it's really simply, let me put it in as simple a terms as I can. 
It's learning how to be friendly again. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. We're trying to do what Jesus did. What has happened to us? We don't know how to be friendly anymore. Jesus made friends with his neighbors. He made friends with his enemies. He made friends with whoever he came in contact with. No strings attached. And he was willing to love them deeply. That's what holistic small groups do. The opposite of that is scheduling a study and it says everybody come to this study and this is what you're going to learn and that's it, doggone it. And that's what you need. And that's it. Expecting everyone to need the same thing. So now, how about this passionate spirituality? It's just simply being full of the Holy Spirit. Living a Holy Ghost life. Keeping that fire burning that God lit in you. Passion is spirituality. It's word-based, it's spirit-directed, and it is world-changing. So what passion is spirituality is? A Christian's passion can be described as a thirst or a hunger or a love, a a great desire for God. We seek God in such a way that His fire burns hot inside us, continually consuming all those other interests of our life so we only focus on Him. The fire in our soul should consume everything that inhibits God's love from filling our heart. God desires our passionate spirituality. See, I can't even say it very clearly. Passionate spirituality to devour every self-promoting desire. That's That's not passionate spirituality. The instruction that was given to Moses thousands of years ago still applies to us today. We must keep that fire burning. It says in the morning, throw another fire or another log on the fire to keep that fire burning. It must not go out. Word-based. Each of us can enjoy reading the Bible. We can enjoy God's Word in our own private time when we understand that the Bible is God's Word for our life. God cares about everything that we do and every decision that we need to make. He wants to walk with us moment by moment in his presence and he wants us to ask him for guidance in making decisions and in discerning his will in our everyday life when i take this microphone and i say does anybody have anything to share you should have so many things from monday and tuesday and wednesday and thursday and friday god was with you every day 
of the week. And he wants us to encourage one another. So he gives us the Bible. He gives us his word for all people, for all times, for all things. And passionate spirituality is also spirit-directed. Right? That's where the fire comes from, the Holy Spirit coming upon us. We have a special intimacy with God. That's quite a bit different than the Old Testament where you'd kill that big old bull and put it on the altar and walk away. We have God with us every moment of every day. The Holy Spirit burning inside of us. We have a sense that God is real, that He is working in our lives today and every day. We praise God and we worship God in all that we do. We can devote ourselves to prayer and seek the Holy Spirit, His direction in our life. What's passionate spirituality look like in the church? Have you ever shopped around for a church? People often visit churches to see if they can sense the presence of God. In a healthy church, people will just know that the Spirit is alive and well. Visitors are trying to determine if the people of the church have passionate spirituality. It's as simple as that. Is God living in you? The first thing the visitor needs to do is see the church as word-based. Does the church put the Word of God above all things as highest authority? Do they read from the Word of God? Do they preach from the Word of God? The second thing the visitor needs to see in the church is, is it Spirit-directed? Do the people encourage one another? Do they really believe that God is working in their life? Each and every day, each and every moment. Are the leaders of the church good spiritual examples? Do people from the church introduce themselves and invite the visitors to a deeper conversation? Not just, good morning, my name's Alan. Whoop, I'm going to get a cookie. <laughs> or do they say, who are you? Do you have family? Do you have anything that I could pray with pray with you for and then if they say yes actually praying with them at that very moment and the third thing that the visitors are going to look for is are the people enthusiastic about church can you tell that the fire of God is burning in them during worship do members seem reclusive and self-centered or do they seem free and desire for the Holy Spirit to come in and minister to their soul? Let's look at what passionate spirituality is not. It, is, it does not pertain to the church's style. It does not matter if the church is charismatic, if it's liturgical, if it's denominational, or if it is independent. 
these do not affect where God resides on what believers. Which helps define what passionate spirituality is. And it does not mean that we all need to be expressive in the way that we live out our faith. Now, we all need to have a conviction. But some of us really can be introverted and quiet. But watch out. The fire of God is burning in us. And we will come out with strong conviction when God needs us to interact with the right people at the right time. Sometimes he can even take somebody like me that's introverted that can stand up in front of a crowd of people and preach the word of God. And people look at me like, you're not introverted. Well, so what chokes out passionate spirituality how do we lose it let me just say that the church over the years has been very very good at one thing they've achieved a great success by putting countless invented strategies for destroying a person's passionate spirituality. Passionate spirituality gets choked out. When we begin to think our relationship with God needs to look a certain way, when it becomes very legalistic and rigid and dry and dull and routine and predictable. The simple measure for this chokehold is this. Am I uninspired and bored with God, with my Christian walk, with the church? Passionate spirituality also gets choked out when our walk with God turns into a duty or an obligation. The simple measure for this duty or obligation for choking out God's fire in us is this. Am I doing what I do to earn points with God? Or to earn points within my family? Or to earn points within the church? Or am I doing what I'm doing to get ahead in life? Instead, it needs to be between us and God. Here's a few more measures that indicate a lack of passion. God's fire being choked out. A choked out faith is more like a funeral dirge than uplifting praise and worship songs. A choked out spiritual walk is more like a tired shuffle than a rousing high step march. If you could smell a choked out spiritual passion, it would be more like rotten fish than the sweet aroma of fresh baked bread. Now let's look at fruit from passionate spirituality. What are the results? Well, the results are world-changing. Whether it be in your own little world, your day-to-day life 
which is very important, and it does change that, but also to engaging others and changing the world all around us. The way we worship God, we serve others, and we witness with appropriate boldness. When God's fire is burning in us, we just cannot help ourselves. We praise God in all times and we share His love with others. Praise God for what's going on in your life. When the Holy Spirit lit upon Peter in Acts chapter 2 that I read just a little bit ago, he could not help himself but to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with all of those around him and thousands of people became believers. When we have passionate spirituality, we can be steadfast during trials. In Romans 12.1, Paul urges us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God. Oh yeah, we talked about that in Sunday school. <laughs> Don't miss the connection of burnt offerings from Leviticus and those sacrifices to this in Romans. Offering ourselves. The fire must not go out. We must allow our sinful desires to be consumed by the fire of the Holy Spirit. And this refining process, it strengthens us and it makes us more passionate about our spiritual life. And then we can stand steadfast in trials of life. It actually becomes a sweet aroma, pleasing to the Lord. In Jesus Christ, he did not mince words when discussing our need to be steadfast in trials. <clears throat> in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, these are Jesus' words. He said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. Take up his cross daily and follow me. That cross, it's, it's a symbol of death. But for us Christians, it's both a symbol of death and it's also a symbol of victory over death. Death to power of the old sin nature. Victory over that sin and death. To carry our cross daily is allowing us to deal with that death that sin brings us. It allows us to rule over that sinful life. The next fruit or result of passionate spirituality is optimistic faith, a deep joy, a heartfelt love, and unshakable hope. It comes in everything we do and in all decisions we make on a daily basis. Our optimism also implies being vulnerable and open before God. Following Jesus is a, a matter of faith from start to finish. Faith produces obedient work. It opens us up to the ocean of God's grace to be poured out upon us. And it keeps us perpetually passionate for Him. The fire keeps burning 
This leads others to see us with a contagious confidence and, and conviction, often coupled with enthusiasm. Okay, in summary, but this is a long summary. <laughs> I'll just warn you, don't start packing up. If, if a church, if church leadership just suggests to you, if you're asking, how can I be more passionate in my spiritual life? Well, you just need to pray more and read the Bible more. You should be skeptical. For some people, these things will put the fire out. Leviticus 6 says the fire must be kept burning. It must not go out. We need to add firewood by radically developing three directions of this passionate spiritual life. Bible-centered, spirit-filled, world-changing. Each person needs to look at all these three dimensions and figure out where you need a little bit more help. Word-based. If you don't know God as much as you think you should, or if you don't have a clear picture of God's plan of mercy and grace for your life, then you need to spend more time in the Bible. You need to learn more about the Bible. Maybe you do need to read more. Maybe you need to have the Bible read to you. Maybe you need to go to Bible study class. I would recommend if you're in this, this realm, and everybody should be excited about being in God's Word, but let me just make a recommendation. If you don't know where to start, if you don't know how to open it up and start reading it, get an app. There's an app for that, right? And I would recommend Version. It's a Bible app. And you can go in there and pick any Bible reading plan that you want. And you can listen to the Bible being read to you, or you can read what they recommend reading. And there will be a little description about what you're going to read about or what it meant. And again, that can come verbally or by reading it. So you can do it while you're driving down the road. Get God's Word coming into your soul. Spirit-directed. If you feel like your life is not really directed by the Holy Spirit, then look for help. Look for help from other Christians who demonstrate a spiritual passion in all that they do. Ask them to help you to discern God's Holy Spirit in your life and for the direction of your life. Maybe you need a mentor. Don't be afraid to ask somebody, could you meet with me? Could you help me out? And what about this world-changing thing? If you feel there's a lack of focus on what God desires in your daily life, then you probably are not going to be helped by simply praying more or just reading the Bible more, but you need to also network with believers. That's why we gather together as Christians. We are the church. We need help sometimes discerning what God's will is in our life. Maybe we need more than a mentor. Maybe we need a group of people. Oh, holistic small groups? Oh, I could invite some people and ask them to actually talk to me about my spiritual life? Wow, that would be awesome. Passionate spirituality. What do you think? Do we have it in the church? 
I want to read for you. This, this came from Jan. She saw it on Facebook, and she printed a couple copies, gave me one, and I read it, and I thought, that is such an awesome story. So then I asked Jan, who was this, and can I call and, and get permission to share? And I did. So I talked to this lady that wrote this Facebook post, and I just want to share it with you all. So you can understand a little bit about what happens when there is passionate spirituality in the church. And it starts out like this. I've always been intrigued with artwork portraying Jesus as the good shepherd. My childhood church in Dunfee, huh, wonder which church that was. Oh yeah, we're the only one here. Um, My childhood church in Dunphy has a gigantic stained glass mural in its balcony. I invite all of you, when we're done, to come up here and look at what I see every week and what she is referring to in this post on Facebook. It can be seen from outside at night, but every day, every Sunday when I come in, I can see it. He's, He's just standing there. Okay, so that's what I see, and I want you to be able to see it too. It depicts Jesus tending to his sheep in a pastoral setting. So she's thinking about her childhood. When I got my license, I would drive over to the unlocked church, climb the balcony steps, and just sit under the artwork. Sometimes I'd lie down on the carpet and fall asleep. It was a place of total peace and serenity. A few years later, I said my wedding vows under the watchful eye of that same good shepherd. That's awesome. But he's more than a stained glass image. He's more than an actor who depicts him on TV. He's the embodiment of God himself with us when walking through the dark valleys of this life. That is grace. And it goes deeper than the deepest fear, trauma, or sorrow. There is no limit to it. I talked with a newly bereaved mother this past week. She asked how I made it through that trauma and grief because it's so suffocating. She can't fathom ever breathing again. I have no tangible tangible explanation for the grace of God except that it always carries me through the blackness to the safety of the other side. Jesus carries me. There is no other explanation. Whatever we walk through in this life, the Good Shepherd is always there to comfort us in our time of need. His love never fails. When I talked to her this week, I could tell the fire has not gone out. Listen, Living Hope Missionary Church. We need the fire. Our children need the fire. Our grandchildren need the fire. Our visitors need to experience the fire. The sick and the oppressed need the fire. Passionate spirituality, it occurs when Christians are ignited by our contact with Christ. And we in turn set our set others on blaze. When they are ablaze, 
They can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Any fire that cannot be spread to another log or firewood will eventually go out. A local church without passionate spirituality does not know how to keep the fire burning. The initial fire was provided by God. Surely we can honor him and keep it burning continuously. Sometimes we need to maintain or recover our spiritual passion and we must continually examine ourselves in God's presence. So I want David's prayer from from Psalm 139 to be our closing prayer today from each one of us personally to God. Let's bow. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen.